Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I'm sorry. Chapter 42, Genesis chapter 42. I want to go to Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42. I'm going to read several passages of Scripture. And then I'm going to go to another place. I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Philippians, I mean Genesis chapter 42. I'll begin reading at verse 29. It says, "Then, Then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, and told him all that happened to them, saying, The man who was the Lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us spies and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. We are 12 brothers, the sons of our father. One is more and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord, then, then the man, the Lord of the country said to us, by this will I know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine of your household and be gone. Bring your youngest brother to me and I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. I will grant your brother to I will grant your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Verse 35. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when he when they had and when they. Sorry, when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Verse 36. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin? Notice what he said. All these things are against me. Notice that all these things are against me. Now, I want you to turn over to Philippians. I'm going to stop there for the sake of time. Philippians chapter one. Go to Philippians chapter one. Are they going to put it up on the screen? I forgot. No one has Bibles anymore. They punch them. Philippians chapter one. Whoops. Wrong way, Javon. I hear like three pages turning. That's good. Somebody is really saved. (laughs) Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Notice what it says. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard And to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. And I just want to speak to you just for a few moments this evening on this thought. These things. These things. When you look at the backdrop of the text in Genesis chapter 42. It's a story actually of Jacob and his 12 sons. And actually uh, missing one son which, which, which is Joseph who was already the uh, governor of Egypt during this time under Pharaoh. The text tells us that they're they're in the time of famine. Joseph, as I said, has has risen to power. The famine has hit the land. There's scarcity all around. 
And the Bible tells us that the only place during that time that had provisions was Egypt. So all the lands around had to go to Egypt and buy supplies or grain, if you would, in order to have food to sustain them during this troubling time. Now, what you have to notice about this text is that the Bible said that when, the, uh, when Jacob's sons came back to him, he began to talk about this man that roughly dealt with them. He said, Dad, he was a rough man. He dealt with us strongly. He accused us of being spies. He, he, he looked at us kind of funny and weird, and he acted like he didn't believe us, and he talked real harsh and cruel to us. And the Bible said that he told us, he asked about our family. He asked about you. He asked about Benjamin. And matter of fact, Dad, to be honest, he said that in order for us to be able to continue to buy grain during this harsh time and cruel time, he said, if you're going to come back to me, he goes, and for me to make sure that you're not a spy and you're being honest, I need you to leave your brother, Simeon. And he said, and not only leave your brother, Simeon, he said, when you come back, I need to bring, need you to bring your youngest brother, Benjamin. Now, the Bible said that when he came, when these, uh, these sons came back and told Jacob this story, Jacob said, wait a minute. Number one, how did he even know about me? He said, what, how did he have the information about my youngest son or any of the other son? And they said pretty much, well, dad, he asked and we told him. And the Bible said that when they told Jacob these things, immediately Jacob shifted into a place of just freaking out, if I could use that terminology. Jacob heard the news. He said, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that number one, notice what the scripture said. He said, you don't understand. This guy has kept one of my sons. Now he's asking for my youngest son. And he doesn't even know that I've already lost one of my other sons. And he said, how is it that now you come to me and tell me that the only way that we're going to have sustenance in the future is that you have to take my youngest son back to this rough man who's already holding one of my sons in captivity. When Jacob heard these words in this report, the first thing that hit him was fear. The first thing that, that triggered his mind, it went all the way back to his mind where seemingly he didn't know at the moment he had lost his first son, Joseph. And he said, look at what's going on now. He said, I've lost one son, Joseph. Now Simeon is gone. And he said, now I'm in a place where I, I'm going to risk the chance of using, losing my youngest son. And he makes this statement. He says, all these things are against me. In other words, what he was saying, can anything get worse? Can anything, can any more trouble hit my home? I'm already in a famine. I'm already having hard times. I've already lost one son and possibly two sons. And now I'm being asked for my third son. He goes, if it's not one thing, it's another. He said, and he began to cry out, all these things are against me. He was saying, I can't take this. I can't deal with this. This is too much for me. There's too much going on. You got to think about, notice this, Joseph, the Bible said, mean, name means increase. 
Simeon's name means listening or hearing. And Benjamin's name means son of my right hand or favor. Listen to what he was saying. If I were to put it in context, he's saying all of my increase is gone. He says, I don't even know if God is listening or hearing anymore. And notice what he said. The favor has left the house. What more could happen? All of these things are against me. What you have to understand is this represents when life hands you multiple messes. When life hands you situation after situation, circumstance after circumstance, bombarding and being overwhelmed with issue and after issue, struggle after struggle, challenge after challenge. See, it's one thing when you can be able to deal with one situation and maybe two and you may can get to three. That's not always the problem, but it's the constant culmination of circumstances. It's the combination of conflicts that begin to pile up on you to the point where it's, it feels overwhelming. It feels like all the pressure is causing you to cave in. And like Jacob, some of us get to the place where we say, I don't know how much more I can take. I, I've been dealing with this and now I got that. I, 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 just when I thought I got the job situation okay, now I just got a bad doctor's report. Just when I thought I got my health back in check, now I'm having to deal with my children what do you mean there's a possible layoff what do you mean oh my lord i just put new tires on the car now the now the transmission is gone out what do you mean the dryer is not working one thing after another one problem after anybody can relate to me this evening that that when life hands you and it gets you to the place i've taken hit after hit after hit after hit and i don't know how many more hits i can take all these things are against me. What are you talking about, Javon? I want to tell you, I thought about even as we look at our nation, 2017, as we look at all the things that have transpired throughout this year, America has took some hits. Natural disasters societal issues left and right left and right I was thinking about it. I said man on the west coast they're dealing with with violent winds and water on, on the east coast and on the west coast we're dealing with violent fires and flames people are lose thousands of homes have been lost and devastated and business are lost Houston and and down in Mexico where there's earthquakes and and I'm telling you when you begin to it's one thing like Jacob to say I got stuck going on but then when you look at there's there's trouble in the land uh, we can easily begin to look at life and go all these things that are happening all these things are taking place what else is uh, and if you're not careful you'll get to the place where you'll start expecting the worst instead of believing the best all these things are happening and what has been on my heart is that as the body of Christ and believers, what we have to do is we got, have to resist a spirit of despair that wants to overtake us. Did you hear what I said? A spirit of despair that tries to come and overshadow and overtake us to the point that we acquiesce, we draw back, we cave in and give up and get into a place and just wish we could just hide out. 
Let me tell you, I looked up the word despair. It means to be overcome by a sense of futility or defeat. It means complete loss or absence of hope. Calamity and trouble. Distress and hardship. Seemingly there's no outlet. There's no way of escape. Despair always says give up and throw in the towel. Statistics show that despair is one of the causes or one of the leading causes. And I thought about in this service of thousands of teenagers taking their lives annually. They have minimum to despair that young people, teenagers, kids, children, and grandchildren. Matter of fact, there are a lot of our teens and young people in this service that a spirit of despair, they said, is one of the leading causes that thousands are taking their lives annually because they get to a place where they feel hopeless, they feel helpless, and they see no way out, and they see no brighter day. Understand, it was despair. That made Job wished he had never been born. It was despair, the Bible said, that made Solomon feel like everything was vanity and totally meaningless. Understand it was despair that David referred to in Psalms 40 as the pit and the miry clay. It was despair, despair, despair. But I come to declare this evening. I come to preach and I believe God laid it on my heart. That none of us have to yield, have to fall under and cave in to a spirit of despair. The Bible says in Psalms 40, I'm going to preach in a minute. That our God is a God who knows how to lift us up out of the pit and miry clay. See, that's why they call it a pit of despair. Miry clay is like quicksand. It's sinking sand. You get in it and you you feel like the only way, direction that you're going is down and down and down and down. Just sinking, sinking. But the Bible declares it is our God who is faithful, who has a strong hand and an outstretched arm, who reaches down to the lowest of lowest and lift us out come on of the disparity and the discouragement of frustration that this world can often bring on us I want to tell somebody that you've not fallen too low that you're not too far out and too far beyond the reach of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Jesus went down to the depths of hell and dealt with despair. He went and snatched the keys of death, hell, and the grave out of the enemy's hand. The Bible said before he ascended, he descended. You know why? He said, I'm going to go to the lowest place to make sure that anybody that ever falls in the lowest place, there's no lowest place that I have not already conquered, I've not already overcame, that I've not already taken care of. So even when you fall in the low place, he said, I've already got that taken care of. He went down so he can raise you up. What seems hopeless to you is possible for God. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We serve a God that can change the unchangeable. I wrote it like this. God can change in 38 seconds a lame man who has been in 38 years of physical despair. God can change in 12 seconds a woman that's been in a bloody, a bloody despair for 12 long years. God can change and turn situations on a dime. He can come quick 
and bring deliverance and breakthrough in your life. I want to tell you that this despair will always try to get you out of faith and in your feelings. Feelings can cause you to do foolish things. Feelings will cause you to lash out and say crazy stuff and do crazy stuff. Come on, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Feelings and emotion. That's what despair wants you so caught up in your feelings. I put it like this. Feelings is about me, but faith is about God. Feelings say I'm a victim, but faith say I'm a victor. Feelings are indicators, but they're poor dictators. Feelings are meant to be servants and not masters. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. Feelings? No, the just shall live by faith. I'm not led by my feelings. I'm led by the Spirit of God. They that are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Your feelings will have you so far off track and messed up, but that's where you got to be able to pull yourself back and say, I am I am called to not live. Listen, feelings are good. They're okay. They're to be indicators. But I want to say this. Our faith is not founded in feelings. Our faith is founded in the word of God. Because sometimes you're not going to feel it. Sometimes you don't feel like praising. Feel like worshiping. Feel like, come on, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't even feel like coming up in here. But I cannot live on my feelings. There's something deep down inside of me that's greater than my feelings. That when my feelings don't want to come, sometimes you have to snatch yourself and say, whether you want to go or not, you're going to the house of God. Whether you want to read or not, you're going to read the word of God. I didn't ask you what you feel like. Come on, let's be faithful to God. Feelings are futile when it comes to faith. I don't feel, feel, feel. Messed me up a long time ago. I feel goosebumps. That's the presence of the Lord. No, it ain't. I felt goosebumps. I was about to tell you the the name of them, but at a rap concert. I was like, ooh, ooh. I said, that's the same stuff I felt in church. And what no Holy Ghost up in there, I guarantee you. You can't go off of feeling. You're not always going to have a feeling, but you can always have faith when you don't feel it. Faith hopes for the best. Despair expects the worst. A.W. Tozer said this faith and despair cannot remain in the same heart. Take your choice. Trust God or worry. You cannot do both. Who that's good. Faith and despair cannot remain in the same heart. Take your choice. Trust God or worry. The Bible said that in Ephesians 6.16, it says, above all, watch this, the shield of faith. Above all, the shield of faith. Could it be that the writer was saying there's something about maintaining the shield of faith? Watch this. If our faith shields us, feelings will expose us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it again. If our faith shields us, our feelings exposes us. That's why I can't stay in my feelings because I'll be exposed. But if I stay in faith, regardless of my feelings, I'll be shielded. Come on. Is anybody hearing me? Because he said shield of faith. The shield of faith. 
He's talking about a shield that's a door size fi- uh, a shield. Matter of fact, if you study it out, the soldiers would actually have tailor made shields. Joe, they would actually measure the height and the width of the soldier. And then they would they would tailor that shield They would make it according to their height and their width to ensure that when they got behind it, it would cover them. So when the Bible said God has dealt every one of us a measure of faith, he said, I've already measured you out and I've given you the faith. Come on to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. So I don't care what hell throws at you. God said, I've dealt every one of you a tailor made measure of faith that will cover you and quench every fiery dart of the enemy. What do you mean fiery darts, the demonic attacks, the negative thoughts that the enemy constantly shoot? And what was so awesome about that? They would take those shields. Here's how important it was. They would saturate it every day. They would soak it every day. They would make sure it was lubricated. They would make sure, listen, that it was flexible and lubricated. It was made out of a strong leather. So when they shot those fiery arrows, watch this. When it hit the shield, come on, it would hit but it wouldn't stick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. It would hit, but it wouldn't stick. It would hit and slide off because the shield had been saturated and lubricated in the oil. Oh, you'll catch up in a minute. That's why it's important that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why every day I get in his presence so he can anoint my head with fresh oil because it's not just about me doing my Bible plan. I realize that when I get in the Word, and I get in prayer and I get in his presence I'm getting fresh oil for my shield because I know there's an enemy that is out to take me out but go my Lord but shoot what you want to devil I've got a shield of faith that you make watch this see faith doesn't keep you from the hit sometimes we want oh my God we want preventive faith I just want faith to prevent this from happening, prevent that from happening, and prevent that from happening, prevent that. I want faith that this don't go wrong, this go, and I I believe in that, but I believe that there's a step further than that. Not preventing faith, but what about enduring faith? Faith to endure when you do get hit. Faith to endure when sickness do come. Faith to endure when lack does hit the bank account. I'm telling you, when you have a shield of faith saturated in the oil of the Holy Spirit, the enemy may hit you, but it's not going to stick. Depression is not going to stick. Despair is not going to stick. Anger is not going to stick. Worry is not going to stick. Fear is not going to stick. Oh, come on, somebody. It's not going to stick because I've got a shield of faith. Get out of your feelings and get into faith. Despair will also seek to discredit the goodness of God. Jacob, wait a minute. You don't remember the goodness of God? Have you allowed your present circumstance to cause you to overlook your previous miracles? Did you forget about the God that changed your name? Did you forget about that night that you wrestled with the theophonic presence of God to the point that he first grabbed you? 
But then you realize who was a hold of you and you grab a hold of him and said, I won't let you go till you bless me. That God that changed you from a trickster and a deceiver to a prince with God, that God, that God, when you laid your head on a rock, the Bible said, and the heavens were open and a ladder from heaven came down and God stood on top of the ladder and the angels were descending and ascending upon it. That God. Despair will come that you totally forget about all the goodness of God. And you begin the why gods. Where are you, God? Why? Why? Listen to me. Daniel 7, 25. Listen to this. And he shall speak great words against the most high. And he and listen and shall wear out the saints. Of the most high. And think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. Notice one of Satan's end time tactics. He said he's going to speak things against the most high. Watch this. And wear out the saints. You know what I believe he's doing? He's speaking things again. God's not for you. God's not with you. If he was for you, why are you going through what you're going through? If he's with you, why are you facing what you're facing? If he's really your provider, why are you broke? If he's really your healer, why are you sick? And to come with those negative thoughts to wear and wear and wear. He tries to wear you out and wear you down to get you to fold and give in. But I want you to know that in times of uncertainty, there's one thing that can be certain. The character of God and the integrity of his word. We serve a God, a Romans 8, 28 God. And he says this, that we serve a God that is a good God and he knows how to redeem good things out of all things. Did you hear what I just said? He can redeem good things out of all things. He didn't say everything would be good though, church. He didn't say everything would be good. Sometimes I think when we read that, we hear that it's all good. Sometimes it's not all good. See, that's why Philippians, see, Jacob said all these things that are against me. But Paul, he says it like this. All these things that were, that, that these things that were against me, watch this, were for the furthering or the furtherance or the promotion of the gospel. He said, if you looked at my life, Every time I was beaten, every time I was stoned, every time I was in perils, every time I was in hardships, every time I was in struggles. If you just see my life in that perspective, it looked like it was all against me. But there's some things in life, he said, but everything that I went through, every time Pastor Ben talked about, every time I bounced back. When they left me for dead under a heap of stones and the saints gathered around me and I sneezed and coughed and came up out of the dust of those rocks and walked back into the city, still proclaiming the gospel. Heads were turning. Eyes were open. When they thought I died out on the ship, 
when I didn't have but a plank in the promise to get me to the land when they thought that I was going to starve to death because I was in perils of famine but yet I still showed up declaring the goodness and the faithfulness of God I want to tell somebody this evening some of the things that you're going through it's not just about you but every time you choose to get up every time you choose to bounce back every time you choose to praise God and smile and keep worshiping him it's a testimony of those around you I don't know what she's got I don't know what he's carrying but whatever it is it has to be for real because you can't go through hell like that and still smile you can't go through stuff like that and still have joy there has to be something that is beyond them I want to declare it is it's Christ in us the hope of glory that's what it is give Jesus a shout of praise Jesus come about Jesus The Bible said, watch this, in Genesis chapter 37, and I'm going to give you three quick, quick points and get out of your way. In Genesis chapter 37, the Bible, 28, the Bible said concerning Joseph, watch this, they sold him to the Ishmaelites. Did you see that? Now watch this. In Psalms, they're going to put it up, in Psalms 105, 16, see, here's the recap of what, of Genesis 45. Notice what it says in this verse. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. Speaking of God, he destroyed all the provision of bread. Now notice this next word. Listen what he sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Wait a minute. Did you catch that? Go back to Genesis. Bloop, rewind, rewind, reverse, reverse. Notice what it says in Genesis. He was sold. Now go back to Psalms 105. He was sent. He was sent. Look at Psalms 105. He was sent before he was sold. Wait a minute. If I only have a Genesis 37 revelation... I see Joseph as just being sold. And when he was sold, it was bad. It was terrible. It looked like everything had, the bottom had dropped out in his life. The ones that loved him most were against him the greatest. But when I go read Psalms 105, the summary of Genesis 37, it said that God sent Joseph and then he was sold. It's a difference between being sold and being sent. See, if you're sold, that's bad. But when you understand he was sent by God from the beginning, that's good. See, some of you feel like you've been sold out by God. Some of you feel like God has left you for dead. But you need, you only have a Genesis 37 revelation. But I come to bring to you a Psalms 105. You hadn't been sold. You just been sent. And just because you've been sent, you gotta know if God sent you there, God will get you out of there. If God is with you, God is going to bring you out. Because if you were just sold, you were at the mercy of your brothers. But if you were sent, you're at the mercy of your God. 
God. He is for you. He is with you. He is on your side. Oh, I'm getting happy. You need to touch somebody and tell them I'm not sold, I'm sent. I'm not sold, I'm sent. Watch this. The only monument in the world built in the shape of a bug to honor a bug is located in Coffee County in Enterprise, Alabama. No one from the South. Listen to this story. Did they put it? Oh, yes. Look at that right there. Somebody's like, ooh. Just hold on. In 1915, the Mexican boll weevil invaded southeast Alabama and destroyed 60% of the cotton crop. Farmers could not get rid of them jokers. They tried everything. They tried every powerful pesticide that it was. And these bugs or beetles, the, the Mexican boll weevil, had the ability to adapt to the poison of the pesticides and become immune so that it wouldn't, it kept changing. So everything that they tried, they couldn't kill it. And when you look at the story, it said that this, these boll weevils was destroying tons of crop for several years, several years in a row. And then on top of that, it said that, that through the next few years, they entered into the Great Depression on top of that. So coupled with that, a lot of that southeastern area due to this bow evil was wiped out. And it was depressing. It was horrible. But then it said this. In desperation, listen to what I'm going to tell you. The farmers turned to planting peanuts. Because not only was Alabama's climate conducive for cotton, but it was also conducive for peanuts. And when they began to plant peanuts, check this out. It became so profitable that the county harvested more peanuts than any other county in the nation. To the point that now this county, this little city in Dothan, Alabama is, is claimed to be the, they call it the peanut capital of the world. What are you talking about, Javon? I'm going to tell you. Watch this. In gratitude, listen to this story. The people of the town, they erected that statue that you saw. Put it back up again. The woman and the beetle. There it is. But you can't see it in this picture. But on that statue, listen. This is what they put. They wrote on it. In profound appreciation of the boll weevil and what it has done as the herald of prosperity. All right. What I'm trying to get you to see. That this boll weevil that was bringing nothing but calamity, devastation and destruction and despair. Almost wiped out all the areas, consuming everything. In the same area, in the same county, in the same city, in the same conditions, these men in desperation said, We won't plant cotton, but we'll plant peanuts. And when they planted peanuts, the peanut industry 
overwhelmed the cotton industry and restored the economics in that whole city because of that. Listen, but watch this. If the bow weevil had not destroyed stuff, if the bow weevil had not tore up the land, if the bad thing didn't happen, they would have never stepped into the good thing. It was the bad thing that, come on, that was the means and the gateway by which the good thing came through. Sometimes what you think is the bad thing is really God's best thing for you. It may seem bad now. It may seem horrible now. And it may seem like it's all going to fail. But I'm here to tell you that we serve a God. He didn't say all things were good. But even in the worst of situations, I'll use it as a vehicle to bring good into your life, to bless you and to prosper you. Come to the music. What do you do when you're facing these things? Number one, when you're, when you're having a deal and fight the temptation of disparity, number one, you ready? I'm going to give them to you quick as they come to the keys. You need to remember where to look. The Bible said, That Jacob, Jacob looked out. Why is it important where you look? Because what you focus on becomes your filter. I said what you focus on becomes your filter. And if you focus only on the bad things. If you focus only on the bad things. Then your filter will become bad. It becomes your filter. You'll never see any good in anything. If you only focus on the bad things. Jesus said in Luke 21, now these, he said, now when these things begin to happen, notice that these things look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Look up to the redeemer. Don't look down. Don't look out, but look up. Look unto the hills from which cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He said, you got to know where to look. And so many times we get so focused on what's going on that is against us and what's wrong around us. And it consumes us and taints our filter. But if you're going to resist the spirit of despair, you got to know where to look. You got to set your eyes on Jesus. See, Jacob only saw what was before him. See, he only saw what was before his face. But he failed to see that God was working behind his back. Because see, faith is not blind. It sees. Faith sees the unseen. And that's why we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And there's no greater way than to keep our eyes on him than through praise and worship. That's why it's so important that I worship, that I praise. Because it changes my perspective. And I begin to see things through his eyes and not just my eyes. Not only do you have to know where to look. You have to, you have to remember what to say. Jesus said this. 
John 16, 33. These things, here it is, these things I have spoken unto you. In me ye might have peace, but in the world you should have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Notice what he says. These things I have spoken. You have to focus and remember what he has spoken. What has he spoken? What he has written. If you don't know what he's spoken, it's because you don't know what he's written. But if you get into what he's written, you know what he's spoken. And not only will you know what he's spoken, you need to understand that he's still speaking. And he can give you a noun word. But you'll never know what's, what he's spoken and you'll never be able to hear what he's speaking if you don't get in what was written. You can't talk doubt and be in faith. You can't talk fear and be in faith. You can't talk negative and think you're going to have a positive outlook on life. The Bible said we are snared by the words of our mouth. We are trapped by the words of our mouth. I don't, listen, listen, what we have to do, watch this, is some of us need to cut the conversation with Satan. You let the enemy talk to, you entertain his talk too much. See, that's what happened to Eve. Eve didn't cut the conversation. And when she didn't cut it, he cut her. If you don't cut him, he'll cut you. But see, he tried to cut Jesus, but Jesus cut him. Before. Oh, you don't get what I'm trying to say. Because when he came at Jesus, Jesus said, no, I know you're trying to cut me like you cut Eve, but it is written. Thou shalt not tell the Lord thy God. You don't talk to me. I'm going to talk to you. I'm cutting this conversation. See? David defeated Goliath with words before he defeated him with a sling. What do you mean? Because, watch this, the Israelite army didn't cut the conversation. The Bible said for 40 days, Goliath went out there and talked and defied the armies of God and mouthed off and mouthed off and they sat there and didn't say nothing. David comes on the scene and the first thing, David said, what? Who? 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 Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of God? Who does this joker think he is? David went out there talking, and when we, he went out, see, he defeated him right there. Before he operated in, oh God, in the flesh, he had already operated through faith by saying, you defied the army of God. And you know what he was saying? You're fighting against God. This is already a lost battle for you, Joker, because when you fight them, you fight him. And that's why you got to know what to say and tell the devil when you fight me, you fight him. When you come against me, you come against him. So the best thing for you to do, don't come for me, because if you come for me, you're going to come for him too. Cut the conversation. Cut it. Don't talk. Speak these things I have spoken. Speak what he's spoken. And then I'm going to give you another one. And I'm, I'm going to wrap up. Last one. No, remember where to look. Remember what to speak. And remember what to think on. 
Philippians 4, we quote it all the time. It says, you know, be anxious for nothing but in prayer supplication. There it is. No, no, I didn't give you that. Believe we'll that one up too. Make your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your heart and mind. And we stop there. But what you have to read, see, this is where we, you study and you find out keeping scripture in context. Because really, Philippians 6 and Philippians 4 8 is a continuation of Philippians 4, uh, of Philippians uh, 4, 6 and 7 that I just quoted. So, in other words, you can't stop at 6 and 7. You got a couple 8. See, 6 and 7 is about the prayer. But verse 8 right here and verse 9 is about the thinking. Because here's the thing. If you, if you pray right and think wrong, you still won't have the peace of God. Ah, yes. Because he said, I want you to pray, but don't stop. Now, this is how you got to think, because this is what we do. We go to the prayer closet, God this and God this. We're praying right, I believe, pray. And then you come out, you think on Twitter, you think on Instagram, you think on Facebook, you think on CNN, you think on Fox News, you think. Oh. And just then, that mess will, will see, because see, what, what, what dominates your mind will eventually get in your heart. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it's important what you think. What do you think on? Paul said, think on these things. When you're seeing these things, when you're up against these things, you don't think on them things. You think on these things. Because when you think on these things, he gives you the power to cast down those vain imaginations and high things that try to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Think on these things. Because your mindset will always determine your life set. Stand to your feet, I'm done. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.